Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to Live It with Jake Sullivan. I just want to take a minute and um, ask you guys if you have been enjoying the show, if you guys have been liking what you've been hearing, if you want to hear from certain guests or hear certain topics discussed, um, please leave us a comment and then also leave us a five-star review. It really does help um, the process of the podcast. Um and we really do appreciate your feedback. So please take the time to do that. It, uh, we really appreciate it. We love you guys, and thanks for listening. Alright guys, what's up? This is Live It with Jake Sullivan. <clears throat> You're good, Jake. Good to be back. You're good to go. It I'm is on good. now. You, we are on. This is um, episode three of our series that um, actually has been rolling really well. Our talent, his glory. Or we could say his talent, his glory. His technically. I did. But I was like, song. well, God's kind of given us his talent. <clears throat> yeah. And how do we just choose to use yes, it? Yes, it for his absolutely. glory. So we're excited Completely today. We, we've got a special guest joining us today who... Just wrote a book. I'm good friends with him. Um, his name is is Austin Macbeth, and we're gonna we're gonna try to dial him in. But he's got an awesome story. I think you guys are gonna enjoy it. He reached out to me about his book that he just written. I'm like, why don't you come on our series if anybody is equipped to talk about his talent, our glory, will be yeah. Austin. So, yeah. or our talent, his glory. You mean our talent, his glory, his glory. Talent, his talent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Our talent, his glory. You said you said our glory, his talent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was trying to multitask. You don't want to mess around with which that, I yeah. don't want to be multitasking. We're calling him in now. Oh, is this him? Austin. How are you, Jake? Oh my gosh! It is. It is good to talk to you. It has been too long. Good, man. I'm glad. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. Hey, I got my co-host, Sam Fisher. So you haven't met Sam, but Sam will be with us here today, too, as we just kind of talk about all that God's doing in your life. Cool. Sam, nice to meet you, man. Nice to meet you, too, Austin. Glad to have you on. Where, glad to have you where, on. Where are you at these days? You told me you're in Florida? Uh, I'm on my way to Florida right now. So my birthday is on Thursday, turning the dirty 30, and, uh, and then my two-year anniversary uh, is on the 26th, so we're kind of making a, a a double whammy trip out of it. My wife's from Orlando, so we're going down to see all of her family and stay down there and, and do the whole thing. But I'm in uh, Kirksville, Missouri. I just got on my second year at Truman State. So. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I knew you were at Truman, and I was like, did I miss something along the way when you told me you were going to be in Florida? I didn't know you were going to be down in Florida. So. No, we're just, we're just driving down there for a little vacation. Oh, you guys are driving, making the drive, huh? Yeah, uh, my wife got a new car not too long ago at uh, Highland. So we wanted to kind of take it on its first road trip, and I'm going to golf while I'm down there and trying to shit my clubs is a nightmare. And just like being down there and just being at the mercy of everybody else, like, hey, can you drive us here? Hey, can you pick us up? So we just decided we're going to drive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love it. You have no kids yet, so that's why you're driving as well. That's that's exactly right. Amen. I'm just trying to to think of six kids. I got six right now. Six kids in a car (laughs) driving to Florida. Like, no. We're just trying to survive the whole shelter-in-place stuff. I bet you are. I bet you didn't know you were going to be a homeschool dad. No, no. My my wife, I told the kids, this is what I told the kids. I said, I'm the principal. You don't want to see me during the day. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's worked. It's worked fairly well, so... 
But hey, we're glad you you can join us. Um, yeah, so and we, super glad that you're taking the time out of your road trip too, just to call and stuff like that. Drive safe though, you know. Like, thank you. We yeah. will. Thank you. Yeah, yes, sir. Well, we're. I, I was so excited to talk to you, and so we're doing a series called um, oh. "Our Talent, His Glory," yes, sir. and just how God has uniquely gifted <laughs> us for yeah. His glory. And, yep. and in different realms, if that's in the athletic realm or the worship realm or or however the Lord has gifted us, different talents he's given us. So when you reached out to me about your the new book that you had written, I'm like, there's no better person to have on have on the podcast, <laughs> talk about this and, and kind of share your story. So that's kind of where I want to I want to start. So I obviously know you well. Um, probably a lot of the people that, that listen to me up here in the cities may not know your story. And so okay. start there. Start just with your story, your background, small town, Iowa, how you got there, mm. you know, played basketball at Iowa State, into college coaching. Just just share your journey a little bit and, and intertwine your testimony in there for us as well. For sure. I'm from a small town uh, in Iowa, about 900 people. Like I graduated with 47 kids, and that was a big class. So I, I am the stereotypical small town Iowa kid and just grew up loving sports. I was like everything I did. I played four sports and golf wasn't even one of them. And I love golf. So I mean, like just there was never enough sports that I could be playing. And my whole life, it was just, it was basically two things. It was church and it was sports. Like those are the only thing I was involved in. I was, I was at church every Sunday and every Wednesday. I was involved in praise and worship team and drama club. I mean, everything you can imagine. And I played sports and that was my whole life. I grew up with a single mom and an older brother. Uh, and became a Christian when I was around nine or ten years old, and and kind of just you know grew up with kind of the the stereotypical. I had like a fear of the Lord through like the fear of my mom, and just like didn't want to sin, didn't want to screw up, didn't want to go to hell, wanted to go to heaven when I died. But that was pretty much like the the fullness of my understanding of my relationship with God. Like very much believed that He was real and that He died for me, but there was a lot of growth that still needed to happen. And so I ended up going the junior college route just from being from a small town. I didn't get a lot of recruiting opportunities and a lot of people that were interested. So I went to NIAC up in Mason City, uh, North Iowa Area Community College, on a basketball and football scholarship. I still wasn't sure which one I wanted to do. I knew I was going to go pro in one of them. I was like, (laughs) I don't know which one yet, so we'll just take some time and figure it out. So ironically, just, you know, with the way that life has twisted and turned, kind of like what we're in right now with COVID. Um, but after I signed my letter of intent, my head football coach and head basketball coach both left and took new jobs before I got to campus. Wow. So I, I showed my freshman year playing for two dudes that I don't know. And I'm like, what is going on here? And so I obviously start football. I'm playing football. I decided pretty early on to redshirt just because I didn't know the coach. The coach didn't know me. He more or less just, like, told us flat out, we don't know anybody, so we're just going to play our sophomores this year. And I'm like, that might be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But sure, like, I mean, if that's what you're going to do, I don't want to waste a year. So I decided to redshirt. So I'm going to football practice every day in the afternoon. I'm getting done and going straight into the gym and going through basketball workouts. Mm. I'm lifting in the mornings. I'm going to class. And, like, I loved it. I was like, this is this is the greatest thing in the entire world. Like, playing two sports in college, you wouldn't want to do this. So after the first semester was over, I transferred to Iowa Western and followed my football coach. Because I just thought I might have a better chance to play football yeah. than basketball at the next level. So I followed uh, Scott Strohmeyer to Iowa Western, who just started the football program there. 
and went through spring training or spring ball, uh, went home for a little bit for the summer, came back, went through kind of summer camp, preseason stuff, ended up playing in the fall and was starting at quarterback. And I got offered from Iowa State uh, on Paul Rhodes' team by Tom Herman, the quarterback coach and offensive coordinator, to come to Iowa State. So about me, Southeast Iowa, small town kid, I bled black and gold. Like I was Iowa <laughs> Hawkeye everything my whole life. And I told my coach, I said, I can't go to Iowa State. Like, I could I go it. anywhere. I can't go to Iowa State. And, like, my friends, when I told my friends I got offered, they're like, you're not going, right? And I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> that and, is so funny. Hey, did you know, on a side note real quick, yeah, did you yeah. know my son committed the uh, University of Iowa for football? Man, I did not know that. Yeah, so Justice, had, you know, Iowa State didn't recruit him. But, yeah, so I'm going to be wearing the black and gold. So you know you're how you – Donning the black and gold. Oh, Man, my... Gonna, you might, might burn your skin, Jake. Well, when he told me he was committing, I was like, where are you, where are you going to, like, what are you thinking? He's like, University of Iowa. And I was like, oh, no. But, hey, they're paying for his education. So, you're, now, you're now have an offer to play football. And I didn't even know this part of your story. Football yeah. at Iowa State University. Yeah, so I get the offer. And I like, I'm dead serious. I'm a stupid 19-year-old kid that doesn't understand anything about the world, and I'm, like, genuinely ready to tell my coach, I'm turning it down. I want to get something else because I was a Hawkeye fan. And I was fortunate enough that one of our defensive coaches who used to be a quarterback for Coach Strohmeyer back at Nyack when he was there that ended up going to UNI and then joined the staff afterwards named Ben Alford, he found out about my offer. I was like, dude, congratulations. That's big time. And I'm like, I don't think I'm going to take it. He said, what are you talking about? I said, I'm a Hawkeye fan. He said, Austin, you might be the dumbest kid I've ever met. And he basically just told me, he said, do you have any idea how, like, what you just got offered? There are thousands, if not millions of kids that wish they could be in your position. And you're going to turn it down because you're a Hawkeye fan? I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. So I thought about it more. And then I told my mom, like, I'm going to go to Iowa State. And she was a, she's a Hawkeye fan. She's like, oh, my goodness. So, Jake, my mom feels your pain. And she was like, I mean, if that's, if, that's what you, like, if that's what you believe God wants you to do and you feel peace about it, like, I support you. So I go to Iowa State, play football for a year. I got there in the spring again, kind of like what I did um, at Iowa Western. Went through spring training. It was Austin Arnott's senior year. I was there with Brett Buecher and James Capello and uh, – um, Oh, my goodness. Uh, Jerome Tiller, those are kind of the other dudes yeah. that are quarterbacks with me. And I quickly found out how hard it is to be a Big 12 college football player. Like, the workouts, it was terrible. I was like, I had no idea it was this hard. Like, mm. I was good at the junior college level. I watched, like, games. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be fine. I got there. I was so, I was so bad compared to everybody else. Huh. And so the uh. workouts were just brutal and everything about it was hard but I was like I'm gonna make it like I'm gonna find a way once or not graduate I'm gonna grind do whatever I have to like I will be playing by the time I'm done and then Fred Hoiberg takes over the team at um at Iowa State for the basketball program and I don't know anything about him because I'm a Hawkeye fan so like <laughs> I didn't know he was the mayor I didn't know he was the yeah. big deal and everybody's talking about him, like I don't know who this dude is and so I realized after the first season, come the fall, like my redshirt sophomore year, I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get a play here. And so I don't know if I can keep going through all these workouts and never touch the field. 
So it's not like being a wide receiver yeah. where as long as you're like eighth on the depth chart, you're going to get some, some snaps. Mm-hmm. Like you're the quarterback, you're either playing or you're not. Yep. And so I just started like playing pickup with my, like basically my best friend, Chris Reese. And he's like, dude, you're really good at basketball. I'm like, yeah, but I'm a football player. This is after the season was over. Like kind of like right before the Christmas break. And I was like, yeah, but I'm a football player. And he's like, I hate, I'm not trying to be rude, but I don't see you getting any snaps in the football field. <laughs> so, and I'm like, you're right. And so, like, just being back on the court, I was like, man, I missed this so much. And so, super long story short, I was, I went home for Christmas break, and I was like, man, I'm really missing basketball. I'm afraid I'm never going to play if I stay on the football team. And I was, like, genuinely considering transferring or finding a way that I could play basketball somewhere. I was like, I just really miss it. And so I ended up calling Jeff Rudder, who was a coach at Iowa State when McDermott's staff was there. And I went to elite camp, so, like, I knew him. And so I basically was like, hey, I know that you have, like, all of these redshirt um, guys because they are all D1 transfers, and you only have a few guys who can actually dress and play right now. Do you think there's any chance that I could walk onto the basketball team? He more or less said, let me ask Fred. He got back to me and was like, hey, we appreciate you reaching out. Like, thank you so much but we're just, we're good with our roster. We're not going to change anything. It's like, all right. So I'm at home. And like, at this point, I'm like committed to finding a way to play basketball. Like I was, I was bought in. Like I was done playing football mentally. And so I'm at home and I'm literally seeking God. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Like I'm, I, I just got told no at Iowa State. I don't want to transfer to my fourth school in two and a half years. Like, what am I supposed to do? And Iowa State goes to Virginia for a non-conference game. And Scotty Christofferson gets hurt in pregame. Like, he did something to his elbow. He ended up playing <laughs> during the game, but, like, they were concerned he wasn't going to get a play. Uh, there was another dude who transferred right around that time at semester break. So they had, like, seven or eight guys who could actually dress and step on the court. And so they get wow. back from Virginia, and I get a call on, I don't even know, it might have been a Friday night or something, from Fred. And he says, hey, Coach McCoyberg, I know that we said that we weren't interested in adding anybody else onto the team, but we just wanted to um, extend an offer. Some things happened. We just met as a staff and we got back from Virginia. We'd love for you to try out. We can't promise you anything, but you and your teammate, Drew Mitchell, we'd love for you guys to come up tomorrow and try out. So I was like, I can come up tonight if you want me to. Like, <laughs> I, I can it. be I there. And mm. so I told my mom, like, off the phone, like, Mom, I'm going to Ames. She's like, what? I said, I'm going to try out tomorrow morning. And she was just like, no way. So I pack up my stuff, go back to Ames, and in the morning at probably like 10 o'clock, I try out for Fred and TJ Osterberger, who's now at a UNLV, um, and I try out for him. It took about half an hour. Drew and I were terrible, like completely out of shape. We were exhausted, and we got done, and Fred's like, yeah, we like you. Um, we'd love for you to be on the team. Already reached out to Coach Rose. He's cool with it. And we actually need to get you with our equipment guy because we need to get you fitted for gear and stuff because <laughs> we have a crazy. game tonight oh my, oh my against God. Northern Illinois. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So we literally get fitted for our gear. We get our jerseys. We get our shoes. We go to shoot around a couple hours later. We have pregame meal. And that night, I'm on the court in Hilton. And in about like, the last two or three minutes of the game, we were up by probably like 18 or 19 points. He puts Drew and I in, and I literally went from a football player to a basketball player at Iowa State 24 hours. Holy crap. I did not. That's insane. I did not know all those details to that that story. And then you played there for the next three years. 
Yep, so I was there for three years, basically like two and a half seasons. But yeah, and so I, I was done with football, hung the cleats up, and pursued basketball the rest of the way. Wow. Do you do you now now being thirty years old, do you just reflect and just see God's hand just all over that entire journey? The entire process from start to finish. And like while you're in it, there's so much confusion and worry and anxiety and all of these things and then when you get outside of it it's just like God literally was orchestrating the entire thing from mm-hmm. from the from the beginning and I never saw any of it. Like I always had faith and I always believed that like it was like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven that like all things were going to, or Romans eight twenty eight that all things were going to work together, like, yeah. for the good of me as, as long as I continued to seek him and, and serve him and trust him. But, like, while I was in it, and you were in the storm, it's like, I don't see God moving at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, where where in that journey did, like, your faith, you know, mm-hmm. I think we have so many students that are listening to this, where you're, you're walking that line of, okay, I believe, but it's still my parents' faith, and now... I believe, and it's my own. And not just, and I've known you for a while, Austin, not just that, hey, I believe, but that I'm responsible for getting the message of the gospel out. Like, when did that transition begin to take place in in this whole journey with you? Mm. It's a great question, and it's 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 an important question that needs to be asked and answered, I think, a lot more than it is. So I, I I grew up, like I told you, like very fearful of God, like a healthy fear and understanding of like being righteous and doing things the right way. And like my sin was bought and paid for, and I need to hold that in very high regard in the way that I act. But it was more of like a, it's like when a kid doesn't want to get in trouble, so he colors inside of the line so they doesn't get punished. Yeah. And so when I got to college, that was like the first time that I was really exposed to drinking and alcohol and and, you know, like people having sex and all this stuff that from a small town, I was just like, you know, this stuff actually goes on. Like, I, I'm <laughs> sorry, I was so I was so sheltered. Yeah. And it was in those first kind of couple years of college that I realized that like my faith was my own, but it was very much a I'm going to be a strong Christian. I'm going to be the dude that's swimming upstream. I'm not going to cuss. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to go party. I'm not going to mess around with girls. Like I am going to be like that, that representation of what a Christian looks like to the people around me that watch Hmm. my life. And I honestly, and it's crazy because most people would hear that and they'd say, that's so admirable. And I hope my kids are like that. And I realized that I was, especially when I got kind of got to Iowa state and was really plugged in and became the president of FCA and, really started like getting deep real relationships with other Christ followers like Mike O'Connell and Drew Mitchell and Ben Dinkins and Rachel Hockaday, like some, some people that I still like am close with and even talking to Kevin Likens and having an opportunity for, you know, the chaplain at Iowa state to kind of like help guide me and all of these things and going to BCC body of Christ church. I realized how prideful I was in my faith. Like, huh. I wanted people to look at me and think Austin is perfect, and he doesn't make mistakes. And so that's what I want to be like. So I want to be a Christian so I don't screw up. Mm. But then what happened was the pressure started to mount that, like, I couldn't let people know that I was sinning, too. Like, yeah. I couldn't let people know that I was screwing up because how would that tarnish the, the great image that I had? And it was such a broken understanding and mindset that the, that Satan had literally like entangled me into think that I had to be 
a, a silently broken person who was screwing up and act like I was perfect. So people were attracted to Christianity and mm-hmm. like, it was so, it was so wrong. But when I got out of it, it was so freeing to understand that like literally in my brokenness and in my mess, that is where God truly gets the glory. It's not in me being perfect or yeah, being yeah, altogether righteous. It's in the fact that even though I'm a hot mess, just like everybody else, that I have a hope and I have like, I have a reason to get up in the morning because there was someone who died for me that desires for me to grow and like go through that process. And I know it's a really churchy word, but like of sanctification and becoming so much like Christ. And this is kind of to answer your question, but it was in my kind of later years in college where it became less about trying to be perfect and really realizing like I am innately a, a sinful human being who without Christ, like I can't do things right. I might do things morally sound, but like I am not a good person. Like the Bible says, no one is righteous. No one is just, (laughs) not even one. Mm. And like, I thought that I was trying to strive for that. But in reality, I was like, I was tainting the message of the gospel and pushing people away from me because it's like, well, if I'm not perfect, like Austin, then like, then I don't, like, I can't do this. And so like really just understanding that like God paid the price for us. Like he, he paid it all. And so it's not our responsibility to try and like, leave a tip like he paid it all and it's our responsibility to read his word to see what he did in the new testament and say god designed human beings to live a life of excellence and and to glorify him Mm. like we talked about Mm -hmm. that idea of glory like when he looks it up he wants to see his reflection because that's the way he designed us and so it's not about doing doing things right just for the sake of getting like a star on our report card. It's about he designed us in a way that if we live according to his rules and if we color inside of his lines, we will actually get to experience the fullness of life that so many times our fleshly nature says, well, hey, man, like if you do this and if you do this, you're going to have so much fun and you're going to get to experience all of these fun things. But like we don't understand that there is so, so much death that comes after it. Yes. That like yes. God's like, listen, I'm telling you, this is the best way to live life. And not only will you get to experience the fullness of it, but you will bring me glory in the process. Like it's a win on the front end and a win on the back end. And so it's been those college years that I found out it's not about being perfect. It's about it's about progression, not perfection. Like yeah. it's yeah. walking through that process of understanding God's way is the best way, even amen, if amen. it doesn't seem like it. He designed it that way. And so our knowledge is foolishness to God. Yeah. You know, know, Austin, one of the things that's that's always your life is always just always points to Christ. And one of the things I admire in you is just the persistence. Right. We're going to get to your book here in just a second. But but to have a dream or to have a goal and the persistence to stay with it when it gets difficult. And, and I'm thinking about, you know, we've heard your your journey a little bit as an athlete, but then the idea of becoming a college basketball coach, which where is where you're at now. Remember, you're working at Championship Video, and mm-hmm. um, you're grinding away, and I remember you talking about this dream of being a college coach, and it seemed like, it seemed, at least to me from a distance, that door after door seemed to be getting closed, but you never mm-hmm. gave up hope. 
and, and you were just persistent in following that dream. Let's talk about the role that your faith has played in that, you know, leading you from being an athlete now to a college coach and ultimately even into being an author and, and writing your second book and, and, and just that whole journey of God's glory is often seen through our persistence during mm. difficult times or mm. closed doors. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That's a gr- another great question. And I think I figured something out that was very valuable when I was in high school that has changed the trajectory of my life to help me be able to do exactly what you're talking about and have that persistence. Yeah. Because God's word is very consistent that I mean, we're, we're talking about glory. And a lot of people are like, yeah, that's a really over-spiritualized churchy word. All that means is that like, God desires for his greatness to be reflected in us. Yes. Amen. And what I realized very on or very early on was that like the, the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. Like God is literally obsessed and he is addicted to our praise. When we praise him and give him the glory and him the credit, he literally can't resist it. Like he is, he, he's addicted to it. Yeah. And I found out so early on that he is going to do things. He uses the foolish things to confound the wise. Like God wants for human beings to understand it is me and not you. It's yep. the way he's designed. And, and so I realized early on that if I focus on working as hard as I can because I had a wonderful mother who taught me work ethic and I just make sure that in everything that happens good bad and indifferent that God gets the glory and when people say man like you're a small town kid and you did this and you did yeah like God opened doors for me like I wasn't good enough to play on the football team at Iowa State and found that out but God put me <laughs> yeah. in that place yeah. I was not good enough to play on the basketball team found that out and yet God showed me favor to put me on that team. And so as I've, I've realized that as I continue to always point people back to him, when I find success and, and it's, it's not a, it's not, I'm not strong arming God, but like he continues to promote me and he continues to put me in rooms that I probably should not be in other than his grace and his favor, because it's happened before and it continues to happen. And so when I was getting, near the end of my basketball career and realizing, dang, I'm not good enough to play in the NBA. And that's been plan A, plan B, plan C, and plan D my whole life. What am I supposed to do? And it was like right as this goal and this dream of mine of playing professionally was slipping out of my fingers, God just like thrust this passion for coaching in like right as it happened. Like Mm -hmm. I never, I'm telling you, I never went a day where I did not have a pursuit. Like it was huh. the NBA, it was the NFL yep. my entire life. And as soon as it was like taken away from me, and most people go through that period of like, I don't know who I am anymore or what I'm supposed to do. God like revealed this. You are supposed to be a coach. That's mm. why you see the game as well as you see it. That's why you are so, so attention to detail oriented. Like that's what it was for. Yep. And I needed for you to pursue the NBA to develop all of those things and develop your mind that way and to watch hours and hours of film so that when I gave you this passion of coaching at 22, you were prepared for it. But if I would have told you at 12, you're going to be a coach, 
you wouldn't have worked as hard as you were going to work because you would have been like, well, I'm just going to coach. Huh. I don't need to work. So good. Mm. Like he literally knows me more than I know myself. Yeah. And so because he gave me that new passion that like I actually genuinely find more joy in coaching than I do in playing because he gave that to me, I know that's the platform that he wants for me. So it doesn't matter where it takes me. I just know that that is the, that is my destination from him. Like that's what that's my Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. My hope and my future yeah. and the plan that he has for me. It's not always going to look the way that I thought it was going to look, and that's where, like you were talking about, that faith comes in. I have to have faith that even if you know I was told by TJ Otzelberger, if you want the Kirkwood job, it's yours. Perfect. Right out of high or right out of college, I'm going to work for. Brian Peterson, who is a GA, who I know, this is perfect. And then all of a sudden, hey, guess what? Sorry, man. I ended up hiring somebody else. Well, <laughs> yeah. well that, that's not supposed to happen. Yeah. Well, guess what yeah. ended up happening? I ended up going out to Montreal, North Carolina, and meeting my wife because of it. Like, huh. And so Amen. every single time that something didn't work out the way I thought it was supposed to, and I said, you know what, God, I still trust you. I know that this dream this goal was given to me by you so i don't need to worry about the details i just need to work on grinding where i'm at like then i don't have to worry about the details yeah. literally all i have to work on to answer your question jake is being persistent i don't mm. have to try and get in a room i don't have to try and make my resume look perfect all i have to do is work as hard so as i can good. in yeah. the season of life that i'm in because when yeah. i moved back to Ames and i was a volunteer assistant at dmac for two years what I didn't realize is that while I was grinding as hard as I could to be a good volunteer assistant, making no money and driving from Ames to Boone every day, that there was a coach from the University of Illinois Springfield who came in one day to watch one of our players who I might have said hello to, didn't talk to after practice, didn't try and smooth up and make sure he knew me, called me two years later to offer me his head assistant position. <laughs> I and I didn't, even, I didn't even remember who was when he called me and asked me about the job but I didn't know that at the time I was just trying to be as diligent as I could in the position that God gave me and I will continue to do that and I'm just excited to see where God takes yeah. me because the pressure is off of Austin Macbeth and the glory is then off of Austin Macbeth because if I would have been this and if I would have been that and people would have been like Austin's going to be the next LeBron James when I did something that was impressive, nobody would have looked at God. They would have looked at me and said, well, yeah, obviously he did that. Look how talented he is. Yeah. But because mm-hmm. it's Austin, who was like, he was a walk-on, he never played, all this stuff from a small town. As I continue to get promoted, it's easy for me to just say, God did it. I mean, <laughs> look at me. How could I do it? <laughs> yeah. And so mm-hmm. it's just an understanding that I have of the way that God operates and his law that he wants glory and he wants to be praised for the things that he does and so i stopped trying to take credit and just work as hard as i can I and not it. be disappointed with the result of with the result of it and and now you're taking that persistence and the gift of coaching and your love for the lord and you're an author so not just style, i'm just a coach but i'm an author Man. Man. and 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 your new book um the sweet 16 a coach's guide to leadership just give give our listeners and, and give us just a little recap of the book and kind of the heart behind it and um, 
Yeah, and where people can go go to get it as well. Is that's really why we wanted you on here because I think it's a unbelievable concept. Um, the book is fantastic. I want people to go get it. So just talk to us a little bit about that that journey from now being a basketball coach to also being an author and and really using that platform to to point coaches to Christ as well and the love of Christ. Yeah, yeah. for sure. The book is about love and leadership from a godly perspective. So it all focuses on this concept of love and doing it in whatever position of leadership that you're in. I happen to be a coach, so I talk from a, from a coach's perspective because I'm a leader over the guys on my team. Yep. But what it's about, so the Sweet 16 is a play on words. Obviously, people think of Sweet 16, they think of March Madness, the tournament, making it to the Sweet 16. But 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, talks about what love is. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. All of those attributes or characteristics that God says love is, they're six of them. And so The Sweet Sixteen is a book about how do we love people when we are in a place of leadership over them hmm. in life the way that God deals us. I love it. I love it. And it, so what drove you to say, okay, I need to write, like I need to tell this story and I need to share God's word in this particular format um, for leaders and for coaches, etc. It's another just kind of it's a, it's another home run for God. I've never I've never never been like even even big into reading. I'm getting better at it now, but like my lowest score on my ACT was reading. Like I stayed away from reading and writing like a plague my entire life. It's never something that I enjoyed. I haven't taken a workout and. So quickly, in 2016, I felt like the Holy Spirit told me to write a book about basketball, huh. which, like, at first, I'm like, that's kind of a weird thing, mm-hmm. but I was like, I know basketball, I talked about it. Oh, we're losing you just a little bit. You're cutting out just a little bit on us. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah, we're good. Yep, Hello? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, Jake, Jake, where um, we lost Austin again. Is he gone? Are you there? Oh no. Am I gone? Can you hear me? Now you're good. You're good. Keep going. 2016. Oh my goodness. Wow. The hills of Tennessee, man. The hills of Tennessee. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Let's go. (laughs) And so, yeah. So I wrote a book about basketball theory. Basically, it's just the way I see the game, the way I view it. A lot of the things I learned from Fred, like I've kind of adapted my own philosophy. But I felt like God was telling me to write a book to basically just help people. Like, I've been given the opportunity to learn from some of the greatest minds in the game. So I wanted to turn around and just help people see the way that the game that way that I did. And so I wrote a book and just made it a free download that you can get for free and you can read it. And I actually put, like, videos embedded in the book through QR codes that people can, like, watch live games that talk about or show what I'm talking about. Huh. And so I had already kind of, yeah, I had already kind of been given like that, that still small voice listening to the Holy Spirit to write a book. And so in the middle of the basketball season last year, mm. we were just kind of going through some things and things were happening just kind of in me and God was working on me and my heart. And we got done with a home basketball game. I kid you not, I'm in the locker room taking my suit off and like, I just had like a heartbreaking feeling in my heart and my spirit. Like I just felt broken. And it was like all of the emotions and the feelings of this, 
this thing that I think is so messed up in sports, the way that predominantly people treat their... Oh, you're back in the hills of Tennessee again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, can you hear me? Got you back. Am I, am I, am I coming in? You're okay. good. You're good. So just this, this, this broken way of how coaches coach out of a fear-based motivation mentality of if I can scare you, if I can like intimidate you to play harder for me, I'll get the best out of you. And then on the back end of doing that, saying I love you, and so giving these kids this understanding that love looks like getting cuffed at, getting screamed at, having things thrown at me, being intimidated, being told I suck, that's what love looks like, and it's so broken. Like, it's mm. so messed up. So and so I just literally was, like, broken. Like, as a human being, like, I felt the weight of, like, all of the, all of the kids, all of the young adults, all of the pros that have just been trapped in this fear-based mentality of what love promotes person in leadership looks like and I was like I literally felt like I said I want you to write a book on it and I was like another one I thought we were done writing books <laughs> and so I was like but what, what am I going to call it like it's a great idea for a book but what am I going to call it and this idea of the sleep 16 came into my head and I'm like yo that's kind of a dumb title because like it yeah. literally just came to me yeah. and then using first Corinthians 13 and just literally going through every single chapter and talking about how sports in general have perverted these these characteristics of what love actually is and what it looks like. And so that's what the book is about. It's going through patience and kindness and not being angry and not boasting and not being proud and how if you want to say you love someone, this is what it actually looks like and the way you were designed to do it. And so it's basically it's a challenge to parents, to CEOs, to pastors, to coaches, to myself, that if we want to say we love somebody, this is the standard of what that looks like. And so you got to do one of two things. You either need to stop saying you love somebody or you need to step up to the plate like I did in the book and just started talking about the ways that I'm broken and I'm messed up and I don't do these things right and I need to get better in this area if I really want to love the people that I'm in leadership over. I love it. Yeah, I love it. So if, if if people want to get your book as we wrap up here, as people want to get your book, where should they go? How do they do it? Um, it's on, yeah, it's on amazon.com and it's at Barnes and Noble. Um, they're coming out with an ebook pretty soon. My publisher's still working on it. It's probably about three or four weeks out. But if you go to my website, austinmcbeth.com, uh, you can see the video trailer that you guys were kind of talking about that was uh, unbelievably well done by my friend Jordan Harrison, who is one of the most gifted videographers I've ever met. He is um, so, so you can see that on there. She's incredible. And then you can also buy the book. Um, there's an option that if you want a signed copy, if you want to send a signed copy to somebody, you can fill out your information. I can get that out. But if you just want to get it off of Amazon or Barnes & Noble, it's on there. If you do go straight to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, make sure that you type in the full title so that you just type in the Sweet 16. Sometimes you don't get it. Make sure you put in a coach's guide to leadership. But yeah, my website, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, it's on there. I would love for you guys to get a copy. It's challenging, but I really think it'll change your whole life. It's, it's it's an amazing book, and it's a it's a great concept and a message that needs to be told, especially in the realm of sports uh, in particular. So, yeah. hey, go enjoy your time driving to Florida. <laughs> enjoy your time with your wife. Um, yeah, and and we we really appreciate you coming on, just sharing your story. It, points so much just to to god's glory and back to him and 
and and we'll continue to promote your book because it is it is a it's a story and it's a message that needs to be told. Amen. So we appreciate Thanks. you, Austin. Hey, yeah. thank you guys for having me. Yeah, we'll talk soon. All right, guys. All right, thanks, Austin. I love that guy, Sam. Dude, that's so awesome. He's, I he's I awesome. really I really wish that I could like see him up close and just like be able to like see his facial expressions and stuff like that. Like while he is um while he's talking about the stuff that he's passionate about. I really love the passion in his voice and stuff. Oh, but, like all that to be said, just all that that we listen to, um, his story, the way that God moves. Um, it's just so amazing, but it's just a testament to how God's hand is over everything, even when in the moment we don't yeah. see it, and even if like you know we don't want to see it, it's it's so cool and it's so evident. Yeah, and, and I think in a season like this, like in COVID nineteen and the coronavirus, and, and and what seems to be opportunities being lost, God may be orchestrating something new in your life. So be persistent. Have passion. Continue to pursue the Lord. Yeah. Hope you guys yeah. enjoyed the message. And the, and the book, if you want to get the book, like he said, it's on his website, austinmcbeth.com. Um, and or you can find it on Amazon, Sweet 16 by Austin Macbeth. Thanks for listening, guys. And yeah, we'll see you next see time. You soon.